0: In baseball, a batting average of 300 over the course of a player's career is considered outstanding. The highest career batting average in the history of baseball, that's Ty Cobb, 366.
1: That means Cobb, the best of the best, got a hit fewer than four times for every 10 at-bats. More than 6 out of 10 times, he was sent back to the dugout.
0: Now, we've talked in previous episodes about the numbers in drug development. They're nothing like Ty Cobb's batting average. Overall, it's about 1 in 10 drugs entering clinical trials that make it all the way through to FDA approval. But in one area, they're even worse. I'm Luke Timmerman.
1: And I'm Meg Terrell. And you're listening to Signal. This week, we take you to a battleground in drug development. An area that's seen intense disappointment, but where work forges on, and debate rages.
0: So for batting averages, we were talking 3 out of 10. In this field, try 1 out of 244 for all of the 244 drugs tested between 2002 and 2012, only one successfully got to the market.
2: So it is true that every single disease modification trial has uh, been a failure to date.
1: The disease researchers have been trying to modify? Alzheimer's. And that's Dr. Simon Lovestone, a professor of translational neuroscience at the University of Oxford. Lovestone says Alzheimer's, which poses a huge threat to our health and our economy, has been as good at evading treatment as just about any disease out there, or better.
2: I mean, I think it's important to recognize that the majority of uh, clinical trials fail in all disease areas, in all therapeutic areas. But I think there is a special problem for Alzheimer's disease.
0: Let's put that special problem into context. The last Alzheimer's drug approved was in December of 2014, and it was a combination of two existing drugs. Before that, A new medicine for Alzheimer's hadn't entered the market since 2003. Of the six drugs ever approved to treat Alzheimer's, none slows its progression. They're mainly hoped to work temporarily on some of the symptoms of the disease.
1: We all know how bad Alzheimer's is, that it slowly robs people of their memories and their minds. And the numbers are staggering. More than 5 million Americans are estimated to have the disease now. And without new therapies that prevent or cure Alzheimer's, That's expected to almost triple by 2050.
0: But there's been new hope in the last few years, as a few drugs that could slow the progression of the disease have made their way through clinical trials. But there's a lot of skepticism built into this area, and not just because of that 1 out of 244 batting average. It goes even deeper than that, to our very understanding of what drives this disease in the first place.
3: You've probably seen this East Indian elephant painting where there's like six blind men touching an elephant One has its nose, one has its ear, another has a leg, another has the tail. And what they're all doing is describing the elephant, but somebody says, I have actually a fire hose, and somebody's got a hold of the leg, and they say, you know what, I actually have this particular tree. Somebody has a hold of the ear and says, I have a rug.
1: Dr. Dean Hartley is Director of Science Initiatives at the Alzheimer's Association.
3: And that's the way the science for Alzheimer's has been because it's so complex. They each describe these components that are right in what they're, they're describing, but seems, you know, this doesn't jibe with what somebody else sees.
1: Alzheimer's was first described by Dr. Alois Alzheimer in 1906. Alois, by the way, is short for Aloysius. I love the alliterative spirit of his parents. Dr. Alzheimer worked with a patient known as Auguste D., a woman with extreme memory loss and paranoia. After she died, Alzheimer looked at her brain in autopsy. He found... It had shrunk and that there were unusual buildups in and around her nerve cells.
0: The main component of those buildups wasn't identified until 1984. It's a protein called beta amyloid. Clumps of it in the brain are now considered hallmarks of Alzheimer's disease. These clumps are commonly called plaques.
1: There's another protein important here as well called tau. It was identified a couple years later and it spurred a contentious fight between two camps each believed fervently that its protein was the main culprit in Alzheimer's.
3: It was really the Baptists against the Tauists. So in other words, the beta-amyloid people against the Tau people.
0: The field has evolved to the point where many think both Baptists and Tauists may be right, that both proteins are important in Alzheimer's. But our story today focuses on the Baptists, the beta-amyloid people.
1: The theory that beta-amyloid is a key part of what causes Alzheimer's is known as the amyloid hypothesis. It says that targeting amyloid should improve the memory loss and other cognitive changes seen in Alzheimer's. Drug developers have tried to do this in a lot of different ways, some by removing it from the brain or bloodstream, others by preventing the plaque's formation, and still others by training the body's own immune system against it.
0: Later this year, we'll see that hypothesis tested in the form of results from a phase three study of Eli Lilly's Alzheimer's drug that aims to clear beta amyloid from the brain. And phase three, you'll remember, is typically the biggest, most rigorous final stage of testing required before a company can file for regulatory approval of a new medicine.
1: And last year, the Alzheimer's field was electrified by unexpectedly positive results from an earlier stage medicine from biotech company Biogen. It showed in a small study that not only did it lower levels of amyloid plaques, but it also appeared to slow those declines in cognition seen in Alzheimer's. That gave much-needed support to the amyloid hypothesis. Yeah,
0: this was shocking for such an early study. And Biogen's stock price reflected that. It added billions of dollars in market value as expectations soared. But just as easily, expectations can change. And they did for Biogen. The company presented more data later in the year that disappointed investors.
1: So from a stock market perspective, we're talking about billions of dollars swinging back and forth on the results of that early study for Biogen.
0: Yeah, and it was a well-designed study, but it only had a little more than 100 patients. And so it's awfully hard to draw firm conclusions off of such a study when in Alzheimer's, you're going to need thousands of patients for a full application to the FDA.
1: Definitely. And and a lot of people I think kind of took it as a signal, if you will, that the amyloid hypothesis, you know, might be on the right track, that because they both removed the plaques from the brain and saw that signal an improvement in cognition, that really that sort of causative role of beta amyloid was there. But we do have to remember, as you just said, this is a phase one study.
0: And that's the earliest testing of a drug in people.
1: So we'll get to that later, but for now Biogen has such confidence, or at least high hopes, in the prospects of the drug, which is called aducanumab, that it's moved it directly to phase 3 trials. It's investing more than $2 billion in the program, and that's all before it even knows whether it's working.
0: And Biogen and Lilly aren't the only companies investing in the amyloid hypothesis. Genentech, Merck, and others all have compounds in development targeting beta-amyloid.
1: But not everyone agrees it's even the right place to focus.
0: Amyloid has become what, for want of a better word in my view,
2: a non-falsifiable hypothesis.
1: Dr. Jeff Jonas is CEO of Sage Therapeutics, a biotech company in Boston focused on drugs for neurological diseases. He's skeptical of the amyloid hypothesis, and maybe that's putting it mildly.
2: It has become almost an industry in and of itself. The bulk of many clinical trials have typically failed and in some cases actually made patients worse. And as each trial has failed or given equivocal data, new facts are invoked to try to explain away the negative findings.
0: Jonas was the chief medical officer of the company that brought the last new Alzheimer's drug, Namenda, to the market. And he doesn't believe amyloid is the route to a cure for Alzheimer's disease.
2: Amyloid's in the brain. We know that. But what role it has in the etiology of Alzheimer's I believe is is unproven. I think it may just as well be a bystander event as well as it may be causative.
1: So is amyloid the cause of Alzheimer's or just an effect?
2: And by trying to remove it, you know you, you, you may not be the way to get these patients better, and so far, I think the, you know the long string of clinical failures does not augur well for this approach to be a breakthrough therapeutic intervention for alzheimer 's disease.
0: Jonas may have a point I think it 's natural to be a bit skeptical when people put so many chips on one idea. The history of science would say that uh, You're better off trying a thousand different things and seeing what might work. And I think we might still be in that experimental phase trying to figure out what the best angle of attack really might be for Alzheimer's.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting to hear Jonas talk about this, saying beta amyloid is like an industry in and of itself, that essentially any failure that we've seen in the space can be explained away. And people are looking for reasons to show that it's right. Maybe are we pursuing this at the opportunity cost of pursuing other things. You know, when I talk to the companies that are involved in it, the science that they cite seems compelling. So you want them to kind of take these risks, but what else is out there? And are we not exploring it or giving it enough attention?
0: I think the larger point here is that there's a lot of money and a lot of careers and a lot of just time has been invested in the beta amyloid hypothesis. And people are are pretty motivated to see that that turns out to be true, that it pans out. And yeah, I I think Jeff might have a reasonable point that you have to wonder what we might be missing. What's the opportunity cost?
1: But those pursuing the amyloid hypothesis don't see those past studies as failures, despite that dismal batting average.
4: Now, the field has learned a lot, especially, say, in the last 10 years.
0: That's Dr. Eric Seemers, medical director of Lilly's Alzheimer's disease team.
4: One of the things, in fact, when you talk about trials being failures... At least in our mind, a trial is not a failure if you learn something from it that moves you ahead. It's only a failure if the drug doesn't work and you don't learn anything from it.
0: Lilly went through exactly that. In 2012, two large studies of its drug called solanezumab failed to meet their goals of improving cognition. Around the same time, another drug called bapinezumab also failed in a big trial. Its developers, Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, and a small Irish biotech called Elon, They decided to pull the plug.
1: Lily, though, forged ahead.
4: When those studies were first designed, they were designed to include people with both mild dementia and with moderate dementia. There was no requirement in those studies to make sure that we had the right diagnosis. In other words, that those people had amyloid plaques in their brains.
1: Let's just stop here for a second and think about that. Seemers is saying a key reason past studies failed is because they were testing a drug that aims to remove amyloid plaques in people who might not have even had amyloid plaques in their brains to remove.
4: So what we learned from those two studies, even though they were negative, is that when you looked at people with just mild disease, so not looking at the moderates, but people looking at with just mild disease. And then you combine the two studies to get a larger uh, sample. We, we saw what we think is a signal that there appeared to be an effect in people with mild but not moderate dementia.
0: That's where both Lilly and Biogen are focusing. On earlier stage patients who have actually been proven using brain imaging known as PET scans to have amyloid plaque buildups.
1: I also talked with Biogen chief medical officer Dr. Al Sandrock. He's a believer... Here's his explanation of how amyloid mucks up the brain.
5: When the proteins kind of clump together, even the smaller clumps are shown to affect the transmission of signals between nerve cells. It does that by affecting the ability of the chemical messengers between these cells to, to cross over and connect cells.
1: It sounds like it essentially just gums things up.
5: The parts of the, of the nerve cell that receive signals, it's called the dendrites. There are these little spines, literally little spines on the dendrites. And those spines get affected by these clumps of protein.
0: Sandrock attributes a lot of the doubt that surrounds the theory to a big trial from 14 years ago.
5: You'll remember that there was a attempt to generate antibodies against A-beta-42 by vaccinating patients against it.
1: Quick translation. Sandrock is talking about an approach to actually vaccinate patients against beta amyloid. Similar to how we have vaccines for the flu, the idea was to try to train patients' own immune systems to target that protein.
5: And uh, that trial had to be stopped, unfortunately, for safety reasons. But there was a follow-up study looking at these patients. Some of them died. And when they looked in the brains, it looked like the amyloid was being removed, but there was no obvious benefit to that.
0: So basically what Sandrock is saying is, if targeting the amyloid in this way had no positive effect on patients, the thought was, how could the amyloid hypothesis be correct?
5: So that's where kind of the field stood for a while.
1: But then, a decade later, a gift from the North. A paper published in the journal Nature found that a few lucky Icelanders have a genetic mutation that appears to protect them against developing Alzheimer's.
0: The mutation is in a gene called APP, which stands for amyloid beta precursor protein. It's been known that some mutations to APP are associated with early onset Alzheimer's. People fortunate enough to have these genes don't form as many beta amyloid plaques, and they turned out to have a much lower risk of developing Alzheimer's.
1: Scientists were quoted in Nature at the time saying beta amyloid was now the prime therapeutic target for Alzheimer's. Definitely a boost for the Baptists.
0: But was it enough for everyone else?
1: Probably not if you listen to Jeff Jonas. And there are others out there who are skeptical of the amyloid hypothesis. I mean, this thing, which maybe in some ways seems like a silver bullet, hasn't convinced everybody.
0: Yeah, I think the skeptics can rightly point to that batting average that we talked to at the beginning of the show. If amyloid is really so important, why have so many trials failed?
1: What we've learned about it, of course, is that there are a lot of other things going on here. And even people who are pursuing the amyloid hypothesis don't think it's the only thing at play. Uh, This disease is very complicated. It's a disease that manifests over a long period of time. And Until recently, we didn't even have the imaging to be able to track it while people were living.
0: Yeah, that's right. And importantly, the imaging technologies are helping us better filter who really belongs in an Alzheimer's trial. Who really has Alzheimer's versus who has some other form of dementia. The sheer fact that imaging has improved really does hold the potential to improve the batting average in clinical trials.
1: Mhm. It's also important to mention that these drugs are being tested in patients with very early stages of Alzheimer's disease, sometimes even folks who haven't started to show a lot of symptoms yet. So, even though these could be the first disease-modifying Alzheimer's drugs on the market if they're successful, they won't help everyone. Everyone who has Alzheimer's right now won't be eligible to be helped by these drugs necessarily.
0: Yes, and and you raise a a good point here about the sheer time involved. If you think about the natural course of Alzheimer's, it's a slow, steady decline for many people of, say, 5, 10, or maybe even 20 years in some cases. If you're a drug developer, that's a, a pretty difficult challenge. Uh, you can't run a trial that runs 20 years. You, you'd like to get an answer much sooner than that, of whether your drug is working or not.
1: But another problem that drug makers bring up, Eric Seemers at Eli Lilly was telling me about this, is that you know patients don't really enroll in clinical trials enough in Alzheimer's. And probably part of that is because until recently, there wasn't all that much to be excited about here.
0: Well, and I would, I would say if I had a family member that asked me about enrolling in an Alzheimer's trial, I would be much more optimistic today than, say, 5 or 10 years ago because of that ability to screen patients up front with imaging and say, yes, in fact, these patients have the amyloid plaques and they have true Alzheimer's and they're a good candidate for an amyloid reducing drug.
1: So obviously, it's really important for drug makers to be taking these kinds of risks. We need answers, and we can only get them if they run these bigger, longer, more stringent clinical studies.
0: Alzheimer's is becoming a more urgent public health need simply by the fact that people are living longer. Um, The odds say that by the time you turn 80, about one third of people in the U.S. have some form of Alzheimer's. And that number increases to about 50% by the time you turn 85. And it's also just really heartbreaking to see people decline slowly and relentlessly. Our memories are what make us who we are. And, you know, to see people that you love slip away gradually over time is just really painful, and even in some ways, maybe even harder than seeing a loved one go suddenly in something like a car accident.
1: Yeah, it's not just our memories that we lose in Alzheimer's. It can be our entire personalities. There's a lot more to it than than just memory. So it is heartbreaking, and it's urgent. Thanks for tuning in to Signal. We're a production of STAT, a national news publication reporting from the frontiers of health and medicine. Our show is produced by Katie Heiler. Signal's senior editor is Jeff DelVisio. And we want to hear from you. Email us at statpodcast at gmail.com or tweet us at statnewssignal. hashtag signal.
0: Next episode, a revolutionary drug with an inflammatory price tag thousands of patients cured of a slow-moving but deadly disease, and state budgets are overwhelmed by it. How do we pay for cures? Next time on Signal.